fresh manna fell to the ground as a gift from God while the Israelites were in the wilderness. This is what they ate for 40 years. It was fresh from the ovens of heaven, baked by the master baker himself. How the Israelites must have anticipated the taste and the smell of each morning's delivery. Just like the Israelites, you too can now experience the taste and smell of fresh manna. Today you will be listening to Phil Mills, pastor of Lansing Seventh-day Adventist Church. And now, here's Pastor Phil. Let's bow our heads for prayer as we begin. Father in heaven, as we come before your throne this morning, how thankful we are for the blessings that you give us. How thankful we are that you love us. So much that Jesus died on Calvary. That you are coming back to take us home. In a few moments we're going to be meditating on the seventh commandment. I pray that as we look at this very important topic. That we won't lose sight of the fact that it is Jesus who does all the work in us. Hide me behind the cross. And let the glorious love of Christ. Move among us, we pray. We thank you in advance in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 14. If you'll remember, we've been working through the Ten Commandments. It's taken us a few months because we've had a couple of detours on the way. But we started with the first four commandments and worked through those. And we saw those dealt with our relationship with God. And if you'll remember, we saw the importance of God wants to make sure that first, nothing comes between us and Him. And so we had this abbreviation for idol, anything I desire over the Lord. Why don't you say that again with me? An idol is anything I desire over the Lord. And we saw that Christ wants us to cut everything out of our lives that we would want more than Him. And it's not that Jesus is being selfish. He understands what we should understand. That if anything is more important than Jesus, it will destroy our walk with Jesus Christ. We then saw in the fourth commandment, the longest of the commandments, right there in the heart of the Ten Commandments. Maybe not numerically, but if you look textually, it's definitely there. We saw that God carves out time for His people to come apart and build a relationship with Him. God isn't like many of the pagan gods that you see where they want you to worship them out of fear or out of doing things for them. God cares about you as a person and He wants a relationship with us. What do you say? And I am so grateful for a God that's personal. That in my brokenness and in the times when I am struggling in my walk with God, Jesus comes and He through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, can personally interact with me and encourage me in that time. And the Sabbath is this beautiful time every single seven days when God says, come apart and be with me. We then saw as we moved into the last six, the last six commandments address our relationship with other people. And God starts off that section by dealing with authority And the first authority structure that any of us were introduced to, and that's the authority found where, church? In the home. Fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. 
And it's not just talking about parents. Yes, parental authority is there. That's the first one we face. But we saw that two weeks ago, that it is dealing with all of the authority structures that are in our lives and that God calls us to be people who are in authority. The other thing that we looked at just briefly was the importance of understanding biblical authority. That the higher you are biblically in God's kingdom, the more you serve. And that those who are higher do more in service. And I have been reminded of that repeatedly in my home since then. Not by my wife, but by the Lord saying, Philip, you're called to serve more because you're the head of this home. Then we saw the sixth commandment last week. We saw thou shalt not murder. That it wasn't just talking about the action. God's looking at the mind. Saying we must guard our thoughts and how we interact with other people. Whether we want to be angry or not. And that anger in God's eye is what leads us to taking out and ultimately in murder. And that in God's eyes having resentment and anger towards someone else is the same as murdering that person. And you know, I am very grateful. I've had a number of you talk with me since last week's sermon about how God is moving in our congregation to give people freedom from bitterness. What do you say, church? I'm thankful for a God that can help us through the deepest pains of our lives. And I, you know, one person I talked to earlier this week, they said, Pastor, I wish it happened immediately. And yes, I wish it did. But God takes us through the process that we need to become like Him. However long it takes, it's worth it because that's where peace and rest and salvation is found. Amen? Okay, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 14. Are you there? This sermon has been very hard to write because it's dealing with an area that is very much often not talked about. It's not that it's taboo in our society anymore. It used to be. In fact, if you looked at our society today, you would probably find that it is quite rampant in our society. It's not that, in fact, in most other circles outside of Christianity, it is saturated in a very wrong perspective about this topic. And I think we've done ourselves a misservice as Christians sometimes in ignoring what the world is broadcasting. Don't get me wrong, we don't want to indoctrinate our children with what the world is teaching, but we should address and bring the biblical answer to what the world is offering and saying, you want this because here's where you're going to find a lot of fun. Are you with me? Let's read the commandment. Appreciated our young people up here earlier. I'm grateful for our young people. Verse 14, let's read it together. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 14. You shall, reading together, you shall not commit adultery. Here Christ lays out the importance of personal relationships between us and specifically our spouses. Now, last week we talked about the importance of the mind and that in Jesus' understanding, it wasn't so much the action, even though that was a problem. What Jesus is worried about is what is happening where? In our mind. So go with me to Matthew chapter 5. Because you might be sitting here saying, Pastor, that's an interesting commandment. And the good news is, I have never committed adultery. I have been faithful. Now, you might be sitting here and saying, I have committed adultery. And, and that this will all apply to you as well. But I'm guessing there are those of us who are sitting here and saying, Yep, Pastor, that applies to the person next to me. That applies to the person across the church. I'm okay. Because I haven't been committing adultery. Matthew chapter 5, notice what Christ says. 
It's in the mind that the battle happens. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. And when you're there, if you'd say amen. I hear some pages turning, so we'll give a little bit more time. Verse 27. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not what? Commit adultery. Now, Christ is quoting what here? The Ten Commandments. That's right. And he's quoting specifically which commandment? The one we just read, which is the Seventh Commandment. And Christ is saying, this is what it's been said to those of old. By the way, we talked about this last week. Who wrote the Ten Commandments? Jesus did. Right. So who's he quoting? He's quoting himself. And himself, he said, you shall not commit adultery. But it's interesting. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, you guys heard that, you read that, and it just shot right over your head what I was really trying to say. What I was trying to say is you've got to guard your mind. And church, we need to guard our minds today. Verse 28, but I say to you that whoever looks does what? Where? At a woman. Now, it's not just looking at other women or I'd be in a lot of trouble right now. But what does he say? Looks at a woman to what? Lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. What Jesus is saying is if you even allow the thought to linger in your mind and you begin to process that thought, you're going to be, it's as if you committed the act of sin itself. Now that changes the entire conversation. There's a whole different perspective that begins to come into the mind when we understand this. Because... Our culture right now is saturated in a society that is going directly against what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 5. It's on the billboards while you're driving down the road. It's on the TV advertisements if you watch TV. It's on the YouTube advertisements if you're on YouTube. It is everywhere. It is in websites as you're browsing the web. There and the advertisements that are just in your face, flaunting, begging enticing you to break what God has called us to do. In fact, if you go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, Paul says that this is one of the indicators that we live at the end of time. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Notice what the Apostle Paul says. He's talking about the end of times. You're there saying amen. But know this, that in the last days, what kind of times will come? Perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of... Right there is the core of all the issues that we're dealing with in the Ten Commandments. The core of the problem in the Ten Commandments is we love me. That was really bad grammatically, but I think you got the point. I love me, and I want to satisfy me. The problem is my mind is broken. Ever since the fall in Genesis chapter 3, my mind is broken. And what I think will make me happy is actually going to destroy me. That's why God gave us his word. Praise God for that. Because his word looks at what I want to do and it says, no, 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 Phil, you think that doing these things is going to give you happiness. But if you go down this road, it's not going to give you happiness. It's going to give you destruction. 
disillusionment, and it'll destroy not only yourself, but the people that are in the world around you that you care about and that you love. So protect and guard your mind. Don't be a lover of yourself. Be a lover of Jesus. For men will be lovers of themselves. Then he goes on to describe what this means. They'll be lovers of what, church? Money. They'll be boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, the fifth commandment, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal. Pretty strong word. Despisers of good. Traitors. Headstrong. Haughty. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of who? Verse 5 is very interesting, having a form of godliness. This isn't talking so much about those who are outside the church, but who's this talking about if they have a form of godliness? Well, that's pretty direct. Having a form of godliness. That sinks deep into my mind. Lord, protect me from calling myself a Christian and living a different lifestyle. Because that list before is what I would say, yeah, that's what we see going on in the world around us. And then Paul does this turn, and he goes, they act like they're Christians, but they're not. I'm describing what's going on inside the church. One of the convictions I've had that has been growing deeply from the Lord over the last few weeks that we've been studying this is, church, we need a revival and a reformation in our personal spiritual walks. We need to be converted. And I don't know how else to put it, but these things we're talking about, the Bible is clear, they won't be in heaven. And Jesus can remove them today, would someone say amen? But we have to let him take it out of our lives. And unfortunately, I think a lot of us, we're holding on, we're saying, yes, I'm going to come to church and do come to church. And we're saying, I'm going to call myself a Christian, but we aren't letting Jesus do the work that he desperately needs to and wants to do in our lives to transform us. We're holding on to what we love. And we're saying, yes, Jesus is coming soon. And amen, he is coming soon. And we're saying we've got to take the message out to this community. And we must. We're starting our small groups. Praise the Lord. We have people who are being reached in our communities. But church, we must be converted. And that starts with me. We have a form of godliness, but we deny its power. And then Paul continues on here in verse 5, taking yourselves back to the word of God. And from such people do what, church? Turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captive of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by what, church? Those next two words. Various lusts. It is lusting after the things of the world that pulls God's people away. Always learning, continues on verse 7, always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. To see in church, if you could use another word, it's a description of the people of God that live there at the end. And Jesus doesn't pen this to sit there and say, how dare you be this way? Jesus pins this because in his great love for his church, he says, I'm here. If you will let me, I will take you away from that lifestyle and I will give you the life that reflects my own. That's what we need. 
So what does all this have to do with the seventh commandment? Because at its core, adultery is selfishness and self-pleasuring. I want you to go with me to a, a very sobering story found in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Second Samuel chapter 11. It's a story of David at what he thought the high point of his career as a king. Everything is going great. The nation of Israel seems to be at a high point. Life is good. He's established in Jerusalem. He's got his wives and his concubines there. That was a problem. But he didn't know, or he chose not to make it an issue. And in verse 1, we find the first mistake that David makes. It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David, what's that next word there, church? Now, that's interesting. Who usually went to battle with his men? David. King David. He was the one who led them in battle. battle. But David doesn't. He does what? He sends Joab and his servants with him in all Israel and destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained where? So David, instead of going and doing what God would have had him do, which is lead the people, David makes a mistake and he says, you know, you got Joab, you've got this. I know you've got this. I'm going to stay back and I'm going to enjoy some needed rest in Jerusalem. Verse two, then it happens in the evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sat and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is it not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Do you know the rest of the story? David sees another person's wife. And as he's up on the roof, he should have remembered the seventh commandment. But David doesn't go down that road like he should have. Remember in Matthew chapter 5, Christ said that whoever looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her where? In his mind. And David, as he stood on the roof and he's looking at what's happening, in that moment, he had a choice. Just like every one of us have a choice in the moment when temptation comes in. And just in case you think this only applies to men, ladies, it applies to you as well. It may not be the visual pull that pulls ladies in, but there are other thoughts that can come in and desires and infatuations that can pull on a woman's heart. Satan has designed for both genders. Anytime those thoughts come in, you and I have a choice to make. Are we going to make sure the bird keeps flying or are we going to let the bird build a nest on our heads? You've heard the expression. And in that moment, what happens next determines where your life will go. Right now, I was reading some stats this last week that blew my mind. I was just shocked by them. 
during over the last year and a half, the looking at websites that have inappropriate videos and images has skyrocketed at astronomical rates. In the generation coming up after me, there is a decrease in inappropriate relationships between people who aren't married, and that's a good thing. But there is a massive increase in people abusing themselves in ways that the Bible says we shouldn't. In our society right now, it is the vast majority, especially during the pandemic, who in their homes allowed themselves to break the seventh commandment, thinking that no one could see. And what they did not realize, and what we may not have realized if it was some of us here today, that it is absolutely mind-destroying what happens if you go down this road. Now you might sit there and say, how is that, Pastor? I'm not hurting anyone else. It's just me by myself. To understand why this is so serious, we need to understand a foundational principle of heaven, and specifically of living. So we're going to put a pin in that question, and I want to talk about this principle we find in heaven. It's the universal law of heaven, out of which all of the other laws that we're studying come from. The law of heaven is the law of love, right? The first four commandments deal with love towards who? The last six commandments deal with love towards our fellow man. But the overarching commandment is love. And the principle that undergirds this commandment of love is the principle of you receive to give. Go with me to John 3.16. You know that verse very well. John chapter 3 and verse 16. You may not need to turn there, but if you do, let me know when you're there by saying amen. John 3.16. For God so, what's the word, church? Loved who? Now what's, now this is the key word, that he, he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. It's a powerful promise. It's one that applies to every man, woman, boy, and girl. Jesus, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son gave Jesus to this world that we might be what? Saved. Now, what does the cycle of love require? That we give something to who? We give something to God. What do we give Jesus? We give ourselves. That's right. Now, notice something else. Go with me to Revelation chapter 4. We see this cycle of benevolence continue. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. Twenty-four elders are there before the throne of God. They've just talked about the sacrifice of Jesus that's in the throne room of heaven. They've seen Christ as the Lamb that is slain, or they will see that in a moment. They've just explained, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then verse 11, notice, says, Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, give 
everything to keep humanity, to save humanity and the entire universe. And the 24 elders who are there, representatives of the human race, is my understanding. Notice verse 11, what it says. They respond by giving back to God. Notice what we give back. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive what, church? Glory and honor and power. You are created all things, and by your will they were created and exist. Jesus gives and he receives back glory, honor, and power. This is the cycle. And we find this in the places of nature. And I want to make this point because we're going to come back here in just a moment. But if you look at all of God's creation, you'll see this cycle everywhere, especially when you start looking for it. The trees take carbon dioxide and they give back what? Oxygen. The ocean takes the water from the rivers and it gives back through its dew into the sky. It gives back to the atmosphere, which then condenses down in rain, which feeds the rivers, which go back into the ocean. And you see that entire cycle there. You see the cows take a plant and chew it up and eat it and it digests it. And then it gives back um, fertilizer to the ground. And the plants take that up and they grow. And the Everywhere you look in nature, this cycle is there. And for us to be prepared for the courts of heaven, God must prepare our hearts to be a part of the cycle where we are selflessly giving and not selflessly taking. What Satan has brought into our culture, and it is rampant today, is this idea is take, 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 take. I need more. I need more. It's about me. It's about how much I can get, how much I can defend, how much I can pleasure myself. And in that process of doing all of this, we are destroying the very cycle of love that God wants to put in our hearts. Now, how does this all tie together? The rampant form of adultery today is, and it is of another form of a pandemic, is happening quietly behind closed doors in our homes. Maybe not even known by our spouses. It can take several different forms. It can take the form of imagery or videos. It could take the form of graphic novels and romance fiction. It can take many different forms, but it is as damaging to us, especially when that is combined, which it very often is, with self-abuse. And I hope you understand what I mean when I say self-abuse. And what that is, it is breaking the cycle of love. In the ideal relationship, God designed that the husband and wife should be able to receive and give back and forth in the marriage relationship in such a beautiful and harmonious way that it becomes literally a demonstration of the giving and receiving that heaven has in the courts above. That's how it's supposed to be. But Satan twists everything to make it selfish. And so now he's made our culture where it is saturated and it's all about making me happy. People divorce because they can't find the happiness they want in this area of intimacy and they get frustrated or others divorce. My wife and I have been counseling with someone that's not from our church, is a long ways away, who is struggling because their spouse is leaving. Their spouse and them are in a difficult part and he is leaving because 
this addiction that he has to inappropriate images and videos. Men, if you are struggling with this, by the grace of God, gain the victory because it will destroy your home and your marriage. And it will destroy you as a person. Back to our story of David. David broke this cycle of love and benevolence that God has. He saw from his roof. He did the despicable deed. He then murdered to cover it up. He lied about it. All of this brokenness came because David, when he saw, did it instantly turn away and say, Jesus, help me. I can tell you that we have homes Many homes in our country, and I would guess here today, where because these addictions have been allowed in, your marriages may be suffering, your children may be suffering, and you don't even know why because they don't know. But I can tell you, if this is in your home, Satan is using it to attack your family because it's selfishness to its core. And it will destroy. God wants to protect us from this. So what do we do? How do we gain the victory with this brokenness in our life? I can tell you that this can be a very discouraging topic to talk about or to listen to. Because many of us may have tried over and over again to gain the victory and not found it. We're discouraged. We're depressed. We know it's wrong, but we don't know how to get out. But I'm thankful for the promises of God's Word. 1 John 1.9. Turn there with me if you would in your Bibles. First John 1 John 1.9. You're there if you'd say amen. The first word in that verse is what? If. Is there a condition? What's the condition? We must do what comes next. There is a part we have in the salvation process. It's called surrender. If we, what's the next word there? Confess our sins. He, who's the he here? God, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to, from how much of unrighteousness? The promise is that if we will come to Jesus and we will lay our brokenness out before him, Jesus will hear and he will forgive. I'm so thankful for that promise. They say, well, pastor, I have confessed this area many, many times. I was just reading my devotions this morning in the Gospel of Luke. That even if it's 70 times 7, we're supposed to forgive. And that means God will do the same. 
Every day you go to God and you say, God, I blew it again. I need your help. He will forgive and he will begin to cleanse. But let's move past just the forgiveness. Let's talk about how God works in us to transform us and give us victory. There is a principle of the human mind. Nature abhors a vacuum. If all you do is say, I'm going to stop and don't replace with something better, you will be pulled back into what you're trying to walk away from. You ever tried to take a suction cup up, one of those really big, powerful ones that can hold several hundred pounds? You can't move it, can you? Why? Because nature abhors a vacuum. You're pulling against the atmosphere that's pushing down on it. However, if you let in the air and replace the vacuum with something else, it will be able to come off. And the same is true with addictions. If you want victory, you've got to replace the evil with something good. So let's talk about some promises that God has in his word for victory. Go with me to Job chapter 31 and verse 1. I'll tell you why this verse specifically is very personal. When we were shooting for Light Unshackled, we traveled over to Galapagos Islands to record a section on Darwin. And when I got there, I realized it was very much temptation heaven for men. They had beaches that had no clothing standards at all. I'll let you fill in the rest. And I may be a minister, but I am a sinner that needs Jesus just like you do. Are you with me? And I remembered what I knew from Matthew chapter 5. If I even look in lust, I've committed adultery. And I was like, Lord, you're going to have to help me. Is this just everywhere? And so God led me to these verses that I began to memorize while I was over there. And what I, instead of just saying, no, no, I would quote the verse. And when the temptation would come in, the verse would flash into my mind. I would quote it. And in that process, the power of God would come in and I would look away and stay away. We are in a society where you can be watching YouTube. You can be browsing the web. You can be doing completely innocent things, assuming what you're watching is innocent. What you're reading is innocent. And the advertisements are saturated to pull your mind towards these things. So what's the promise? This verse I have found very, very helpful. Job saying here, Job chapter 31 and verse 1. Are you there, church? I have made a covenant with my what? Why then should I look upon a young woman? Memorize this verse, men. Memorize this verse. And when temptation comes in, especially if this is something you're struggling with, learn to have the truth of God's word counteract the temptation that comes and the victory will be yours. Someone say amen. Psalms 19 and verse 13. Let's look at another one. Psalms 19 and verse 13. Right there after the book of Job. Psalms 19 and verse 13. Are you there? Let's read it together. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sin. Continue reading. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgressions. Here's what's powerful. There's other verses. You can write these down and look them up later on your own. Psalms 119, verse 29, thy word have I hidden on my heart that I might not sin against thee. And Psalm 17 and verse 5, 
You can look these verses up. There are many others. Here's what you must do if you're serious about having victory. You must take the word of God, which is the power of God and the truth of God to speak to the lies of your mind. And you must make those words a reality, memorize them and use them as the weapons from God to you to have victory over sin. And it's amazing. You'll find the victory becoming yours. Let me touch on one other thing. A couple months ago, the Lord really convicted me that I needed to cut another piece out of my life. And, you know, right now we're talking about the area of addiction, specifically in the area of lust. But there are other things that the Lord may be convicting you on while you're listening to this sermon saying it's time for you to give this up. A few months ago, the Lord convicted me I needed to give another area up, and it was a struggle. It was not something I wanted to give up. Confession is good for the soul. And I began to wrestle with God, and finally, I began to allow the Lord. Notice how I worded that. I began to allow God to give me victory. God wants to give me victory now. I need to let him do it. Finally, I began to allow the Lord to have victory. And I remember one day in particular, the desire to go into what God had convicted me I needed to give up came in like a flood. And I just really, I was struggling. And I, you know you how you start, well, maybe it's not as bad as I think. Maybe I've kind of overblown this. Maybe I didn't really hear the Lord on this. You understand how that kind of goes through your mind? I was like, no, I've committed to the Lord that this is gone. So I instantly stopped what I was doing because I know that if I just think about how I'm not going to do it, I'm going to ultimately do it. You know how that works, right? Maybe you don't know how that works, but that's how the mind works. If you think constantly about something, you're just setting yourselves up for failure. You've got to replace it with something better. So I walked away from where I was. I went out to our pond. I sat down by the pond and I went, Lord, I know you've given me the victory. Please help me remember your victory right now. Because I'm struggling. And God came in. And he gave me freedom. It's Jesus that does the work, not me. And that's what we got to have as a church. Yes, God's word is powerful, but it's so much more powerful when you combine it with prayer. So what do we do? What do you do? What do I do? We allow Jesus to change us. As we close, I don't know what the overwhelming area of sin is for you, but you do, and Jesus does. I don't know what you've struggled with, but Jesus does, and he still loves you. I know I'd be happy to pray with you. Don't let shame or fear of what someone's going to think of you keep you out of heaven. A church is a place for sinners, which all of us are, to find healing and hope in Jesus Christ. I was proud of a of an individual that came to me after the sermon first service and said, Pastor, we've got to meet this week. Lord, I need to find victory. 
You don't have to meet with me to have victory. Please don't misunderstand that. But if you need someone to pray with you, I'm happy to. Let's bow our heads. It's time for the appeal. There may be a a man here or a woman who has found themselves in the clutches of self-abuse or inappropriate images or inappropriate stories. And this sermon has spoken to you and you've realized that you are guilty of breaking the seventh commandment. And you know that you need Jesus to give you victory. Right now, the Holy Spirit is resting mightily in this sanctuary and He wants to give you victory and peace in Him. But He won't force Himself. Will you let Jesus in? Before I pray, I'm going to give you a few moments to quietly talk with God and ask the Holy Spirit to come in and speak hope, speak forgiveness, and speak victory into your heart. Would you just do that right now? Father in heaven, I'm so thankful that right here today, you've spoken salvation to so many of us. I'm grateful for the victories that are being won right now, for the forces of light that are beating back the forces of darkness. I'm so grateful for your love. We are so thankful for your mercy and grace. Today, may you heal. May you forgive. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Phil Mills, pastor of Lansing Seventh-day Adventist Church. If you enjoyed this sermon, why not visit his church this coming Sabbath or a church near you listed on strongtowerradio.org. You will find the church at 5400 West St. Joe Highway in Lansing, Michigan, and their church service begins at 1050 a.m. Access their website at lansingadventist.org. This program has been a Strong Tower Radio production.